We're glad that you're here tonight. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together. I do want to express appreciation to all that prepared food for the luncheon this morning for the Pritchard family. I know that they appreciated it and all of the work that went into making that possible. And so we appreciate it so very much. We're going to be talking tonight about encouraging the discouraged. And I want to begin tonight by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Here the writer said, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. A couple of weeks or so ago, we talked about discouragement and some of the things that lead to discouragement. Tonight in our study, I want to stress the need to encourage the discouraged. If you haven't been discouraged, then in all probability, you're not human. I suspect that all of us have felt discouragement at some point in time in life. There's a real need for people like Barnabas. The name Barnabas is synonymous with encouragement. He encouraged those who were members of the church in the first century that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. We need today people that are good at encouraging. And the reason is because all of us become discouraged in this life. I want to begin tonight by asking the question, why encourage others? And there are two things that I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, let me just begin by talking about our obligation to encourage saints. You remember in Genesis chapter 4, we have a record of Cain taking the life of his brother Abel. And God in the long ago asked the question, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain responded by saying, I do not know. Well, he knew where he was. And then he, then he asked this question, am I my brother's keeper? I believe that we have a responsibility to one another. We are our brother's keeper. There's some passages that underscore the obligation that we have to one another as members of the body of Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 at verse 15 that we are to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then of course in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2, Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Everyone at some point in time in life needs encouragement. And we as God's people have the opportunity, the privilege of encouraging one another. Let me just talk for a minute or two about some of the ordeals 
that we face in life that call for encouragement. Some of the reasons why we ought to encourage one another. There are several things that I want to just share with you for a minute or two. Some of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago by way of discouragement appear here. Why do people become discouraged? One reason is because they receive an unfavorable prognosis. An example of this is found in 2 Kings chapter 20. The Bible tells us that God sent Isaiah the prophet to King Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the good kings of his day. And God told Isaiah to go to Hezekiah and tell him to set his house in order. The reason he said is because you're gonna die and not live. What a jolt that was to King Hezekiah. The Bible says that immediately he turned his face to the wall and prayed to God. I suspect that we would do similar. But there are a lot of people in our world today, they receive unfavorable prognosis. And as a result of that, they are plunged into despair or discouragement. Sometimes individuals go to their medical doctor. They're informed that they have some type of cancer or tumor or some other disease or maybe some illness that is chronic. I talked to somebody not long ago and they were talking about a health issue that they've been battling for about two years. And the brother said to me, the doctor says it's a chronic problem, suggesting it's not going away. So there are a lot of folks that deal with debilitating illnesses and diseases, which leads me to a second reason that causes discouragement and a reason why people need to be encouraged. And that's because of sickness or illness. Hezekiah, if you read 2 Kings chapter 20, prayed to Almighty God. And God spared his life graciously, adding 15 years to his tenure here upon this earth. There are some folks that are not so fortunate in this life. And they have some type of illness or disease or sickness. And that sickness only grows worse over time, as I mentioned a moment ago. When individuals have what I would call a protracted illness or disease, and they suffer with it day in and day out, it becomes extremely discouraging, particularly to those who are active that have lived an active life and then as a result of some type of physical malady are unable to do the things that they once did with ease. A third reason why some people need encouraging is because of the loss of a loved one. I mentioned this morning the number of losses that we have experienced here at Isla Branch. I'm not sure what the number is, but I know that we have had our share of losses over the course of 2013. In John chapter 11, word was sent to Jesus by Mary and Martha, his friends. And they said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. 
Now the text tells us that the sickness of Lazarus ultimately led to death. And the Bible tells us that Mary and Martha were both distraught at the loss of their brother, and rightly so. When Martha came to Jesus, she said in a very plain and matter-of-fact way, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Mary echoed the same sentiments. The Bible tells us in that context that Jesus wept. There have been a lot of tears shed in this congregation over the past year. If the Lord delays his coming, there will be more tears shed. And why is that? Because we will continue to lose loved ones. It's a fact of life. And so those that have lost loved ones need encouragement. I mentioned in class, as a matter of fact, I've mentioned this two Wednesday nights in a row, that those that have lost loved ones over the past year we ought to do our best to try to reach out and to encourage them because this is a very difficult time of year, the holidays. For most folks, when they lose a loved one, they would just as soon the holidays come and go. They're not into the holiday spirit. So they need encouraging. A fourth reason why people need encouraging Problems in the home. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. You ever thought about how many problems people have in the home? I want you to understand that when we talk about the home and the problems that relate to the home, Many times we point our fingers at people in the world and we talk about the problems that exist among married couples in the world when in reality we have our own problems in the home. There are lots of people in the church. There are people in every congregation that are struggling, husbands and wives, they're having a tough time. There are parents that are struggling with the child-rearing process. There are parents that are at their, their wit's end because they do not know what to do with their children because of some of the activities that are going on in their lives. And so they need encouraging. Let me tell you what. If we were to take a survey of this congregation and people were honest I'm talking about all of us if we were very honest most of us would say we've had problems haven't we some of those problems have been within the home or are in the home and so we need encouraging sometimes mamas and daddies need encourage, encouragement to do the right thing to stand up to be a spiritual leader in the home, to rear our children in the Lord, to be the right kind of example. Sometimes husbands and wives need to be encouraged to stay together, to not give up. The easiest thing to do when discouragement comes is to throw up your hands and walk away and just give up. 
There are a lot of people in our world today that are homeless. And I'm not talking about folks that are poor. I'm talking about people that have walked away from a good life. And they're living on the street because they became discouraged. They didn't see a way out. And they said, what's the use? I'll just give up. And then there's a fifth factor that contributes to discouragement, thus prompting the need for encouragement. It has to do with those who are spiritually weak. There's a difference in somebody who is spiritually weak and an unfaithful member of the body of Christ. A spiritually weak person needs to be encouraged to grow, to mature, to be what he or she ought to be in the kingdom of God. Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are some folks, they are weak and they need encouraging. When you read the book of Hebrews, there were Hebrew Christians in the first century that were battling discouragement. Listen again to what the writer said. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What do they need? Endurance, a persevering spirit. Why? Because you can become discouraged and weary in your souls. Happens every day. Some of the Hebrew Christians were on the verge of giving up and going back to Judaism. And really what the writer is saying when you read the book of Hebrews, he would be asking the question to readers of every age, why would you want to go back to an inferior system? Specifically to those Jewish Christians, what they needed to understand was the sacrifice of Jesus was sufficient. No need to go back to the old law. No need to go back to the Mosaic dispensation. And so they needed encouragement. And there are people today in the church, there are folks in the church here at Olive Branch that are weak and they need your encouragement. And then there are some that are unfaithful. When I talk about somebody who is unfaithful, specifically I'm talking about those that have given up. They're not living the right way. Peter talks about in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, those who have forsaken the right way. Some people have forsaken the right way. And so what is needed is for us to encourage them. Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, talks about the importance of reaching out to those who are not living right. And so these are some factors that contribute to discouragement. But I want to talk now for just a minute or two about some ways that we can encourage one another. How can we as God's people encourage other people? Let me begin by saying that, and this is by no, no means a comprehensive list, but what I, what I want to do is just outline some of the ways that we can encourage other saints. Number one, your prayers. 
Did you know that you have the ability to pray for one another? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22 that Jesus said to Simon Peter on one occasion, I have prayed for you. Simon needed the Lord's encouragement. You'd be surprised how encouraging it is for somebody to tell you they're praying for you. You would be surprised at how encouraged someone would be in your presence if you said to them, look, you're in my prayers. You have the opportunity to pray for other people, other saints on a regular basis. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica on one occasion, he said, brethren, pray for us. You think Paul ever got discouraged? You think he ever got down? He was human, wasn't he? In our Wednesday night class, we've been talking about Bible characters. And the thrust of the class has, has been to humanize biblical characters. Because I think sometimes we have the idea that the people we read about in the scriptures, they're spiritual giants. And they were somehow immune to the problems and the trials and the tribulations that we experience today in the 21st century. Somehow they seem to get through what we're unable to get through ourselves. What you have to understand is, look, they too had feet of clay. They had their trials, they had their tribulations, they had their temptations, they had their discouragements. Read 2 Timothy chapter 4 sometime. And look at the life of the Apostle Paul when he talks about how Demas had forsaken him, having loved this present world. About how Alexander the coppersmith had done him much evil. Read about how no one stood with him, but all men forsook him. You'll read about somebody that needed some encouragement. And so you can pray for others. And then there's a second way that I believe we can encourage other saints. And that is not just by our, our prayers, but by our presence. I mentioned a moment ago, 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is talking about the fact that death is imminent. And he cites Demas that had loved the present world and gone his own way. He talked about Alexander the coppersmith and then he went on to say that no one stood with him. But in verse 11, there is a statement that I think is a golden gem. He said, only Luke is with me. You ever thought about how just the presence of someone can be a load of encouragement, can boost your morale. Do you remember when Job lost his family members? He went on to lose not just his family, but his wealth. The Bible says he lost his health. His own wife was discouraging to him. She said, why not curse God and die? The Bible tells us that three of his friends came on the scene and they came for the purpose of mourning with him and comforting him. Now I understand, they had it all wrong in terms 
of why Job was experiencing the problems that came his way. But nonetheless, their presence. The Bible says for seven days, not a word was said. Sometimes it's not what you say, but just your presence says it all. Which leads me to a third way that we can encourage others, and that is with our words, our speech. Now sometimes we don't have to say anything. Our presence says it all. Sometimes we just pray for one another. But then there are occasions when we can say just the right thing. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. The right word at the right time to the right person. Was it not Solomon that said in the long ago that there's a time to speak and a time to be silent? There are some folks that have tough times and they get down in that valley of discouragement and what they need is somebody to come up, put their arm around them, and just say a kind word, a kind word of encouragement. And by the way, It might just be, I'm praying for you. Again, verbalizing our encouragement to others. And then finally, I think another way that we can encourage other people, the saints, is by our deeds. John in 1 John chapter 3 said that we're not to love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about those that ministered to other people. And he said, I was sick, and what would you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. I cite that scripture to say this. Sometimes the things that you do for other people when you help people who have physical needs, you would be surprised at how encouraging that is. It literally builds people up to see them, or rather, to see you helping them. The Bible has a lot to say about helping others ministering to the needs of other people. Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it unto one of these least of my brethren, you did it unto me. To know that we have the opportunity to help others. And then there's a final thing I want to share with you very quickly, and that is how we can encourage ourselves. You see, I think externally, there are those that can encourage us Internally, there are some things that we can do to encourage ourselves when we are discouraged. So let me just cite for you very quickly some of the things that we can do. Number one, pray. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus said that men ought to always pray, listen to him, and not faint. In other words, don't get discouraged. How do you battle discouragement? How do you offset times when you're down in the valley? You pray. You spend time in prayer. 
The Bible tells us that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, with the cross looming before him, he prayed. As a matter of fact, Luke said, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The problem with discouragement is sometimes we pray, we don't see any results, and so we give up. What Jesus do? Rather than give up, rather than throw in the towel, Jesus continued to pray. The greater the crisis, the greater the prayer life. Listen again. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint. When the apostle Paul described his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, what did he do about it? The Bible says he prayed. That's right, he prayed. He besought the Lord three times. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. The point is, he prayed. A second thing you can do, read the word. When people are faced with discouraging times, one of the things that I try to do is point people in the direction of the Psalms. I don't think you'll ever find a better friend in Scripture in times of discouragement than the book of Psalms. When you begin to read about the life of David, and many of the Psalms are attributed to David, and again, we talk about these spiritual giants and how they seem to have everything going their way. Let me tell you what, that was not the case. When you read about King David, David had a lot of great times in his life, but David had his own share of problems. David had those that were against him. Saul, his own son Absalom, David had a number of problems in life, and yet what, what did David do? By inspiration, he penned some psalms, and he literally poured out his heart to God. If, you're in, if you are discouraged and you need encouragement, I want to encourage you, read the psalms. Psalm 46.1, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. To whom can we turn when we face trouble, God. What about the psalmist in Psalm 56, verse 9? When he said, this I know, God is for me. I like the words in Psalm 143. We talk about, we talk about the psalmist and his expressions in the face of discouragement. On one occasion he said, no one, no man cared for my soul. Now do you really think that was the case? Nobody cared about him? Absolutely not. But you see, that's what discouragement can do. And so to remember, God is in our corner. God is with us. A third thing that we can do, get busy. One of the greatest remedies to discouragement, and I'm talking about how we individually can overcome discouragement. Get busy. Do something for somebody else. Sometimes when we take our minds off of our own troubles, we find out things aren't so bad. How do we take our minds off our own troubles? By getting busy. If you're discouraged and you're down and out, here's what you do. Prepare a dish for somebody. Somebody that's sick or shut in. Make them a cake. 
Or go by and visit with them. Send them a card. Pick up the telephone and talk to somebody. Before you know it, you'll start feeling better. I remember when Brother Doc Hunt was alive. Many of us would go by and see him on a regular occasion and many times we would leave feeling more encouraged than he did. Why was that? Because he was, he was a source of encouragement. Our presence brightened his day and he in turn brightened our day. A fourth and final thing, assemble with the saints. And by that I mean make it a point to be at Bible study and worship. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another day by day. There is a lot of encouragement that can come when we assemble together on the first day of the week or on Wednesday night. Why is that? Because we're with people of like, like precious faith. And our presence mutually edifies or encourages one another. Not to mention, our worship, our study, can be a source of encouragement as well. I want to close tonight by saying, if you know somebody that is in the valley of discouragement, become a Barnabas. Become an encourager. There are some things that maybe we do not possess the ability to do. There are certain, there are certain tasks in life, in the church, that maybe we feel as if we're just not equipped to do. But let me tell you what, every person, I don't care if you're young or old, doesn't matter. Every one of us can be an encourager. We can all encourage one another. It's not that hard. What we have to do is make up our mind, this is what we're going to do. There are lots of people that need our encouragement. Why? Because they are discouraged. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your holy and inspired word. We're thankful for the encouragement that we receive from your word. We're thankful that you are the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, that we can derive comfort and encouragement in times of crisis by turning to you. We're thankful also for the encouragement that we receive from one another. And in turn, we're grateful for the opportunity and privilege we have to encourage one another. Help us to be the kind of people that you would have us to be. Help us to recognize that we are our brother's keeper. Forgive us, Father, when we fail and save us in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. It may be that you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you to come to Christ, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you have a commentary on the life of Jesus. What was written was intended to produce faith in your life. That you would come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And based on that faith that you would be willing to repent of every sin, to give up a life of sin, to confess the name of Jesus before others and to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins as Peter instructed in Acts 2 verse 38. It might be that you're here tonight and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. Maybe you, like so many other people, have become discouraged. Maybe you have given up. I want you to know that there's a way back home. You can come home tonight. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is more than willing to pardon and take you home, take you back, and ultimately take you home. If you're here tonight and you need to respond to heaven's invitation, would you do so as we stand and sing?